Hello, and welcome to another episode of The Known Podcast. I'm your host, Mandy McDonald. I had a really great conversation back in April with Sarah Bragg, and today I'm finally sharing that with you. Sarah is a fellow podcaster and also an author, and on today's episode, she's going to share more about her podcasts and her books with you. But I'm just really excited for you to meet Sarah. She and I did not know each other before we talked, and we definitely ended the conversation as friends, which she and I both agreed was the sign of a good interview. This conversation with Sarah really sparked something in me to stop being afraid to do the things I want to try, to stop comparing what I achieve with what others expect of me. Those are the kinds of things that Sarah and I are talking about in this episode. But before we get into that, I do want to say thank you to all of the followers of this podcast. I appreciate your comments, likes, shares, reviews of the podcast. All of that really helps me get these stories to even more listeners, and it helps me and my guests know what you like to hear from us. To those of you who are in the know, my Patreon listeners, thank you so much. And if you don't know what that is, or if you're curious about the new tiers that I'm offering, you can head to my website, mandymcd.com and find a link to my Patreon account there and also Known Podcast on Facebook and Instagram. Of course, I'll link to all of that and all the ways to find Sarah Bragg in show notes. So here is my new friend, Sarah Bragg. Hey there, I am Sarah Bragg and I was telling Mandy that this is the hardest question of all is who am I? I feel like I need to like be in a dark room lying on a sofa to try to like understand <laughs> myself. Um, but no, I am, um, I am a writer and a podcaster and my, I have a couple of shows, Surviving Sarah and then Raising Boys and Girls. Um, those are my two podcasts. I have an upcoming book um, that's coming out in 2021, which at the rate that the world, like we're in, feels very like the days are very long. That feels like a decade away, but it's mm-hmm. called a mother's guide to raising herself when she's required to raise others. And, um, and then I'm a mom. So speaking of raising others, I'm a mom of two girls. Um, they're tweens. So we are <laughs> rounding out fourth grade and sixth grade. Wow. And, yeah. And then Scott and I have been married almost 15 years and, um, yeah. Like I love coffee. I feel like I have a master's degree in coffee. Um, and, uh, and then I love baseball. I love, you know, being outside. Those are all things I'm trying like being home in a pandemic has made me think about like, what are my hobbies? Like I really, like, are my hobbies literally just wandering target because I'm like, I'm feeling like I'm not doing anything anymore. So, yeah. <laughs> yeah oh. so that's that's kind of who I am in a nutshell. Well, good. I'm glad you're here. Thank you. Um, well, who's your team? You said you like baseball. Uh, who's your team? The Atlanta Braves. <gasps> Same. Yes. yes. And you know, this was our first year to have season tickets. Oh, yeah. no. I know. And that we were so looking forward to being, we live only like 15 minutes from this stadium. Yeah. So we were so excited. And then now there's just, you know, possibly no season. Mm-hmm. So, <laughs> so that's been a little sad. That is sad. Well, next year. Next, next year. year. <laughs> yes, yes. We love Dansby Swanson mm-hmm. and Ozzy Albies. Uh, my daughter, my oldest daughter, her favorite is Johan Camargo, which he's easy on the eyes. That's why I, I understand. Why. <laughs> it's so funny watching your, like, watching my daughters have crushes on people. It's just yes. like, they're trying to be, like, cool about it. Like, oh, he's just, like, the best, you know, like, third baseman or whatever. And I'm like, mm-hmm. <laughs> 
<laughs> Do you even know anything about him other than right. what he looks like? <laughs> right. right, exactly. That's cute. All right. Well, Sarah, tell us your story. My story, you know, it's interesting. I feel like, gosh, I'm 41 right now. And it's just been an interesting looking back on where I started and where I am. And um, it's weird that I'm 41 and it's weird <laughs> that I've experienced this much life so far. Um, but I feel like I could, I could kind of take you back to um, the things that led me to where I am now. Um, I feel like I can look back and see um, starting like even just like in professional sense, like my twenties were, were characterized by confidence and I feel like that really is the epitome probably of youthfulness where you think, well, why can't I do that? Of course I could do that. Of course I could move there and try this. And I just thought I could do anything. Um, and so, and, and up until that point, I really felt like anything I put my mind to, I did mm -hmm. and didn't face a ton of rejection, um, in that sense. But, but I really think that like looking back at my twenties were confidence, my thirties, I felt like were, um, more of uh, dealing with fear of like facing some hard things, facing some rejection and then having fear around it and being now afraid to do the things where I once thought, why not? Um, and so I can kind of go all the way back and see, you know, the first little bit of rejection. Um, I was my daughter's age. I was nine years old and I was called fat at a pool party. Oh, I know. And I, I look back and I think, you know, I had no, I, I never thought I was like, had a perfect body, but I just had no recollection that I wasn't perfect. Like I just mm -hmm. thinking of your, my body was not a thing at nine. You were just, you just had a body and it ran and it jumped and it, you know, did those kind of things. It wasn't like if, whether it fit in a certain um, size or not. Yeah. So I think that really defined the next, oh gosh, over 10 years of my life for sure. Um, and really began like, I've got to, I don't want to face that kind of rejection again, where people laughed and clearly I've got to look a certain way to belong in a certain place. And, um, that just really defined that season of my life. And then you sort of fast forward a little bit. Um, and, and the next big thing of rejection, I think, um, was professionally. And it was interesting, you know, of course we all face little rejections like in dating and all of that, mm. that kind of thing. Um, but I just, in, in writing and, and who I was, and again, I said in the beginning, you know, the twenties were just such a confidence building. Um, you know, those early years from nine until, you know, uh, gosh, like 21, we're just like, we're back in that, like, unconfident stage. And then the twenties, when I finally just kind of settled in on who I was and had a little bit of confidence and the twenties were just this like, yeah, let's do this. Why not? I want to be a writer. I want to speak. I, I love entertaining. Give me a microphone and let's have at it. Um, and so when I was in my late twenties, I was so excited to work on this team of developing new content and to get to really flex my muscle as a writer and they wanted me because I was this writer. And then halfway through the project, they decided to give the pen to someone else. Oh no. And that was such a defeating moment of back. It, it felt like being back as that like nine year old girl, mm -hmm. you know, where you went, Oh, like, wait, what? Like I haven't noticed that I wasn't good enough. Like I hadn't noticed that yet in that part of life, but it felt that same like scar of you're not good enough to belong because you're fat. You're not good enough to belong because you're not a good enough writer. 
Um, and so I really felt like I allowed that to define the next decade of my life, just how being called fat defined that decade moving forward. And then being basically said, and you're not good enough to find really my thirties. And so, um, you couple that with having kids and if you have kids, you know how hard that yes. is, right? We were just before we jumped on talking about how hard it is to work at home with kids and you're just going, I can't do anything. And so I just really was silent for a lot of years. Um, and, and as I was silent, dealing with that kind of rejection and allowing that to kind of shape how I saw myself and how I saw myself fitting in the world, um, it took about four years to really work through all that to get to the point of saying, okay, it's okay if they don't think you're a good enough writer. Doesn't mean that you aren't a good writer. Mm -hmm. That difference of that same, like, it's okay if they think that you are fat does not mean that you are fat. Like there is a difference of letting someone else tell you what the reality is and knowing what is true in you. Um, and so really working through all that to get to the point of going, no, I actually love to write. I hear validation in other ways. So it can't just be a flat out, like, you know, being rejected of everybody going, listen, let me pull you aside. This is not working. Mm -hmm. Um, no, like it was like, this is what you love to do. You're energized by this, whether they think you're good or not, you should do this. Um, and so for years at once I got to that point, just kind of started looking around going, okay, so I know that like my career is not over. Like I have little kids. I know this is coming. Like surely this is not the end of everything. Um, surely I'm going to be able to write again or do something again. And so then I just started like being curious and paying attention and opening my eyes to what was around me and asking questions and constantly kind of journaling about that. And um, I remember going to a writer's conference is the first one I've ever been to this would have been in 2015. And it was there that I had the idea to start the podcast, Surviving Sarah. That's where that one was kind of birthed of going, gosh, I love to talk. I could just have conversations with people all day. Mm -hmm. And, you know, and I missed using my voice. And I think I'm just going to do this. Like, I think this is what I'm supposed to do. And literally that idea was in October, launched the show in December. And <laughs> it's been going for over four years. Um, and so I, I really look back and, and I just think, okay, my story was one of just ups and downs and allowing certain negative things to really shape who I was and how I saw myself fitting in the world. Um, and then having to really work to retrain that voice that's in my head of going, okay, just because you face this, because we are going to face rejection, right? Mm -hmm. Like none of us are immune to it. Um, but we have to work to go, okay, let's don't let it kill a whole decade or more of your life. Like let's right. like, face it, deal with it, use it and move forward. And so I feel like my story just is that is learning to go, gosh, even if this is not working right now, it's not over yet. Right. Mm -hmm. Like there's still more to come. And, and I think, you know, now, you know, it's just been very redeeming on this end of now having a book contract and, and writing a book and going, okay, all these things were, you know, I had published a book when I was 27 and I was such a baby then. Um, and I remember it's the same time, the very next year or maybe next two years is when that rejection happened. And, you know, my publisher was coming back going, we want you to write another book. And I was like, I can't, I can't write another book mm. and allowing that to define it versus going, okay, that was a hit and that hurt, but it doesn't have to like ruin me. Right. So, so I think that's probably like my big story mm -hmm. from, from then to where I am now of just 
learning to, to move through and learning to be more resilient and, um, and to retrain the voice in my head. Um, I have a similar story. I don't think I was nine. I was probably a little bit older than that, but this, the mean boy mm-hmm. in my class, um, called me shorty chub. Ugh. Like it's the dumbest name. I, now I'm like, that's ridiculous, whatever. But I am short. I was not a chubby kid. Um, but it like, I still like when I think about that, it still kind of makes me cringe a little bit. The trigger. Uh, yeah, it is. And when you were talking about that professional rejection, taking you back to being that nine year old girl mm-hmm. and how you have changed how you think about it just because they say that doesn't make it true. Um, you don't just flip a switch Mm-mm. and start thinking that way. So if, if I'm still somebody who always goes back to that little girl when I'm hurt or rejected, how do I turn that around? How do I change that thinking pattern? You know, it's, it's funny. I think one of the biggest things of me learning this even took having kids and, mm-hmm. um, and really going, cause I would hear how they would talk about themselves, right? Like oh, they yeah. would hear, someone would say something to them or they would say something about them, you know, or they would, you know, make a mistake or they would whatever. And they, and the, you know, like, I'm so dumb or I'm so this, or I'm so that. And I started saying this phrase to them, be kind to yourself. Hmm. And I started saying that I was like, Ooh, like I need to be kind to myself. Like, how can I have a kind voice? And so it started practicing, like looking in the mirror and I would see myself and want to be like, Oh, like, and go, Hey, be kind to yourself. Like mm-hmm. you're like, this is, you are fine. Like, this is a very, you look very normal. Like this is a very normal. <laughs> you have had two kids, all these things. Be kind to yourself, your body. She has done great things for you. Like she is strong, like really retraining what I say about myself, like really like out loud or writing it down and, and saying, you know, she is strong and, and really started referencing to my body, like as a she and going, she is strong. Like she has carried you. She has like had two C-sections and, and you are still kicking. Like yeah. <laughs> we are still, she is still doing this. Um, and learning to just speak very kindly or like when it comes to, you know, like I, I hold such a standard on myself, like to where I remember one time my dear friend who, uh, when she was very first on my show, we were not friends yet. Sissy Goff, um, you know, we we do raising boys and girls podcast together now. Mm-hmm. And I remember I misspelled her name on like the promotional material. <laughs> okay. It's very silly. But when, when someone pointed it out to me, I was like, Oh my gosh, I'm the worst. Like I can't even spell her name. But I mean, I just like, it just killed me to know that I made that tiny little like mistake mm-hmm. and learning to go, it is okay. Be kind to yourself. We all make mistakes. It's going to be okay. And you know, I, and, and I realized like with my girls, there was one time, you know, I've been saying this to them over and over. And there was one time that we were cooking dinner and I've been known to like mess up dinner a time or two and have to like <laughs> toss it out. And so it was one of those where like I had messed up and I was so frustrated at myself. And it was that same, like, Ugh! like I was so mad. And Rory, my youngest looked over and she's like, it's okay, mom. We all make mistakes. Be kind to yourself. Like, Aww. I was like, that's it. Like if we can get in the habit of saying that phrase over and over again, 
just the repetition alone starts to retrain the way that we think of ourselves, like mm -hmm. setting those intentions. Like, you know, even if it's writing down, it feels so silly to write down, like, you know, writing in my journal, like you are great. You are awesome. You are funny. You are smart. And you're like, Oh my goodness. <laughs> eventually I do think it retrains the way that you see yourself. Mm -hmm. right? Yeah. So, yeah. I so, that, so I feel like that's really where I don't know. I feel like that's where I would say start there. Like mm -hmm. whatever it is about your little girl self that you go back to you, what would you say to that little girl? Mm, yeah. You know? and it's funny. Um, you know, we're recording this um, in mid April in the middle of the pandemic, whatever you want to call it. Um, and everyone right now is posting their senior pictures because mm -hmm. the seniors this year won't be graduating in a traditional way and that kind of thing. So a bunch of my high school friends are, you know, we're all sending each other pictures that we have found looking for our own senior pictures. And there's this one picture I found where I remember putting that outfit on that day and thinking, Oh, I can't believe I'm going to wear this. I look so fat. And I look at that picture now and I'm like, please God, make me that fat again. <laughs> like I yes. looked Good. And yes. I was thinking, I want to go back. And, you know, some of my friends and I were talking about it in a group message. Like, if I could go back and talk to that girl in that picture, mm -hmm. there's so much I want to say to her. Yes. And stop trying so hard and stop worrying so much about the things that don't matter. Yes. And quit carrying this burden of perfection. Just yes. stop it. <laughs> well, you know, like, it's funny. Like, I, the other day, I guess it's been a few weeks ago, you know, Again, I'm 41 and I looked back, it's, it's the same kind of thing. Like I looked back at like, you know, 31 and I was like, man, like I looked so young. Like <laughs> looking down, you're going, man, I didn't realize, I didn't realize I looked so good. And I thought yeah. I need to start enjoying where I am because chances are newsflash, we all get older mm -hmm. and we all will look older. And so with a, each decade, more than likely, I'm going to look back and go, gosh, I actually looked really good then. I wish I would have enjoyed the fact and just relaxed a little. Like, yeah. even if I wasn't in this ideal, whatever ideal I think in my head, even if I wasn't that, that I just enjoyed it. So I keep trying mm -hmm. to tell myself, like, okay, here you are at 41. This is what size you are. This is what your face looks like. You need to enjoy it because mm -hmm. 51 you're probably going to like look back at 41 and go, man, 41, Sarah looks pretty good. Like, <laughs> I'm just going to get older. Like yeah. I need to enjoy where I am and just learn to relax and go, mm -hmm. okay, it's going to be okay. Enjoy where you are. Like, like let's be kind to ourselves and go, man, you look great. You're 41. You look great. Right. Mm -hmm. I have found myself, um, I, I claim that I still have baby weight, but my baby is four. So I don't know <laughs> if we can really call it that anymore. Um, but I have found myself like avoiding being in pictures and, oh no, just take a picture of him. Don't take a picture of me. And then I think back to when my mom passed away and every picture that I can find of the two of us together is precious to me. Yes. And I don't care what size she was or not even noticing her. No, it's just me and my mom. Yeah. And that is something that has stuck with me. And now I'm like, okay, <laughs> I might not be comfortable in this picture, but I'm going to be in this picture. I, I, one day I, my boy wants that. 
I have been doing the same thing. Like mm-hmm. I avoid being on like, or like, okay, just get me from like, you know, like waist up. Like yes. I don't want like my lower half to be seen. And I'm, but it's the same thing. I'm like, I want my girls to be able to have pictures mm-hmm. of us together. And I doubt they're ever going to look back and go, oh my gosh, my mom's thighs were so huge, <laughs> right? I can't believe yeah. she allowed herself to be in front of a camera. Like I just Mm-mm. don't think that's what it's going to be. You're right. You're right. Okay. I'm always curious about um, why people do the things they do when it's a hard thing to do. And writing a book is no small task. (laughs) Um, Starting a podcast is no small task. So let's go back to your first published book when you were 27. Yeah. Um, What was that book about and why did you why did that come out of you? <laughs> right. I know. Well, it's so funny. Like I was, um, I was working for a church in California called Saddleback Church at mm-hmm. the time. And, uh, and one of my bosses, we were talking about, you know, like five years from now. So I was probably 22 and he was like, you know, five years from now, what do you want to be doing? And I was like, I want to be, you know, writing and like speaking and traveling doing all these things. And he's like, well, if you want to be a writer, maybe you should write something. I was like, oh, novel idea. Um, And so, so I I just wrote the story that I lived at that point. So this, the book is called body beauty boys, the truth about girls and how we see ourselves. And it's really my story about being called fat at the age of nine and Mm. and really that journey for middle school, high school girls, um, just kind of walking them through, you know, how to find contentment and learn to see yourself um, in a different way and what, uh, someone else sees you as. And, um, and so it really was like someone just saying, if you want to do this, you should do this. It's like, Oh, wow. Okay. You know, <laughs> or the same with like, um, you know, fast forward all these years later and, and writing the second book, you know, for me, I just avoided it for so long. I, my husband had been for probably 10 years saying, you need to write a book. And I was like, Oh, I don't want, I'm no, I'm not going to do it. I'm not going to have, I don't have anything to say. And, uh, And so when I finally started wrestling with, okay, I think I need to write a book. I really do think I want to do this again. I want to write again. I enjoy writing. Um, I I remember laughing. I do a year in review episode every year with my dear friend, Marika. And so I think this is the end of 2018. And she was like, okay, we were like, what did you learn this year? And I was like, I learned you just got to do the work. Like Mm -hmm. enough talking about it, just do it. Like if you want to do this, just do it, whether it goes anywhere or not, you have mm-hmm. to start somewhere. And, and so I feel like that was the same with the podcast. Like I had the idea, like, ah, oh, I should do this. All right. Like it's October. I'm going to do this. I'm going to launch it by December. We're going to do this and not getting too much in your head and just doing it. Mm-hmm. It's like, okay, whether it like fails or succeeds, I don't know, but let's just do this. And, and it was very interesting, even, you know, shopping this current book idea um, the difference of who I am now versus even you know, 13 years ago was a big difference. Like I knew rejection would come, but it, it was, I, I, I didn't, I didn't fear it. It was kind of like, all right, that's fine. If you don't want this, that's totally fine. It is no reflection on who I am or my abilities. And that felt really good to be in such a healthier place in dealing with rejection than it was, you know, I remember receiving so much rejection on the first book and being like, Oh my goodness, what does this mean? You know, and <laughs> why so, did I do this? Right. <laughs> right. You know, I mean, you're welcoming 
people's opinion and people's judgment onto your work and, and what you can do. And so, um, but yeah, it, I think sometimes I don't really like to do hard things, but, <laughs> but when I find myself in that moment, I'm like, all right, let's do it. Like I've, mm -hmm. you know, I can, I can dread and make excuses and try to avoid. And then somehow it's like, all right, now you just got a cannonball, right? Mm -hmm. I was going to say that's how I am, but I think that's how a lot of creatives are. Mm -hmm. I was talking to a friend, uh, I think yesterday, and she has all these ideas and all these things that she wants to do. And she's like, I don't know if I should just go for it or if I need to like calm myself down and try to organize my thoughts. But every time I try to orga organize my thoughts, it doesn't happen. Like I just have more thoughts. And I was like, yeah, yeah. sometimes you just have to go for it. And right. And hope for the best, but be okay if it isn't the right direction. Right. You know, like I just, I feel like the things that have gone best for me um, as far as my creative endeavors are the things where I feel like I'm doing it out of obedience. Hmm. Um, like this podcast, I feel like I started it out of obedience. And sometimes, like right now, you know, having a four-year-old attached to me all the time it's really hard to get this done right and it would be easy to be like well I did it I tried it it was fun yeah moving on um but when it's an act of obedience I think that's when it makes you see it through yeah yeah and and you know mm -hmm. what it may it still may not work it doesn't mm -hmm. mean you shouldn't have tried right, right. Like even yeah. with the obedience it should, doesn't mean you shouldn't have tried you know, we've, my husband, you know, he's, we've had a failed business a few years ago that really just rocked us to the core and, mm. you know, and he's spent years being afraid to try again because, Oh, this is, that was really hard. And he really felt like this is what we were supposed to do. doesn't mean we shouldn't have done it. Like, you know, we, we obviously re wish that we maybe hadn't, but it was going, but, but with what we were dealing with at the time, it made the most sense. It seemed like that was what we needed to do. And that's okay. Like we have to look back again with kindness on our former selves, even going mm -hmm. the best you could, like you were doing the best you could. And um, there's some, there's some nugget that you learned from that experience too. Right. Going to be used later. Right. Like when I look back right. at all the failed things that I have tried, um, right. and I use that term failed loosely. It's, it doesn't necessarily totally. mean failure, totally. um, but the things that didn't last, when I look back on those things, I can see how they all kind of built up mm -hmm. to what I'm doing now. Yeah. And, and laid that foundation. Well, and how will you know if you don't try? Like that was another thing in 2019. I was like, I'm going to start doing things where I think I actually might fail at them because <laughs> I need to push through, like even like on little things. Like I, you know, I played tennis growing up, played in college, and then I've picked up a racket like seven times since college. <laughs> Not a lot. Like, but yet I hold myself to the standard that if I were to go out on the court, I should be able to play the same way I did when I was 21 years old. Sure. Why not? Why not? And so I just, but I avoid it. Cause I'm like deep down, I know that's not true. Like I know that I'm not going to play at the mm -hmm. same capacity. So I just shouldn't do it because I don't want to look like a failure. Um, and so one day I went and played tennis with a friend, like, and I was like, it's going to be okay. If I hit it over the fence, it's going to be okay. If you can't hit it over the net, like it's going to be okay, but you're going to push through what you're afraid of failing. And you're going to be like, I'm going to fail. So I'm going to do it anyways. Like all these different things, even with writing the book, it was like one of those where I'm like, I might fail at this, but I'm going to do it anyways, because I'm not going to be afraid of failing because in failing, like 
that's where we learn. That's where we grow. I, I heard, you know, my beloved, I always refer to her as my beloved Brene Brown. Um, <laughs> she was talking about failure and she was like, we leap not for the landing. We leap for the experience of flying. Mm-hmm. So, you know, so much of us, the, the landing is what we're thinking about. And so we like, we were like, Oh, are we going to crash? Are we not going to crash? I don't. And so you, then you don't jump, but but you jump because you want to get the experience of flying through the air, not for what it's going to feel like when you land. And so that to me, I was like, I'm going to start, like, I just need to start jumping. Like, what Mm -hmm. is it that I'm afraid of doing? I think that's an indicator that I just need to do it and it might fail and that's going to be okay. Um, but I don't want to not try. I'd rather live my life doing things that might end up being really great Mm -hmm. or we might fail and we might learn something from it, but rather than sitting on the sidelines. Mm, that's good. That's a challenge to me because I don't like doing things that I know I'm not going to totally get at. Right. Like, okay. So my daughter, when she was, she was probably eight or nine, we were going to do guitar lessons. So we go, we have her very first guitar lesson. And so she had like a 30 minute lesson. We came home. She started practicing. Well, she wasn't like Taylor Swift in that moment. So <laughs> starts crying like wailing, throwing her arms, like, oh, I'm the worst guitar, but I'm just, and I'm like, I'm sorry. How long have you been playing the guitar? And she said, an hour. She goes, okay. <laughs> I was like, try an hour. Like, you were not born with a guitar in your hands. You do not already know how to do this. Like you're going to have to learn. And I think that, and it just reminded me so much of like me, like I don't mm-hmm. want to do anything unless I'm going to knock it out of the park right away. Mm-hmm. And that's a lot to do with my personality, but there's something to go like, it, it's okay. If you're not the best at this, like you're going to have to like, just, you might miss out on something fun if you, if you don't try, cause you're mm-hmm. afraid of not being the best. Yeah. I'll be 41 this year. Um, next month actually. Um, and it wasn't until, let's see, 36, 37, maybe Mm -hmm. that I found out I was good at art. (laughs) Um, right. Like all the, and my mom was a great painter and she, like, I have amazing, an amazing ceramic nativity scene that she painted and she was very artistic. And I just didn't think I had a bit of artistic talent in me because I thought that meant the first time I ever touched brush to paper, I would paint a Monet and that didn't happen. Right. So I was like, well, I'm just not good at this. So then, um, fast forward to becoming a stay at home mom to a newborn. Um, and my dad passed away and I needed something. I needed some kind of outlet. Yeah. So I was like, well, I'm going to paint for fun. Nobody else will ever see this. And now people pay me for things that I paint. <laughs> Look at that. Because I wasn't looking at it as this is something I have to be good at. It was just something for myself. I was yes. able to let go of the fear and just go with it and discovered right. this talent that I have. So then I was thinking like, what else could I have been good right. at all this time? Right. That I never tried. Right. If you just not had been so afraid to try. I was Mm -hmm. just talking to someone today about that concept of like, I feel like we have to unlearn about learning. Like we grew up like as kids and went through all school through school and learning was about being graded, which meant you had to be good at it. Like if you wanted to pass to the next 
grade, you had to be good at this enough, good enough to get past. And so we spent all this time where learning was for a grade. And I feel like we just never, we, we never stopped learning that way. Like, Oh, I want to do something new, but if I, I don't know if I'm not going to make an A, I probably just shouldn't, Mm. I shouldn't take that class if that's not, you know, rather than going, you know, well, like if you want to garden, like I want to garden but it's very intimidating. Mm-hmm. I'm like, I don't know anything about gardening or I want to learn to play the guitar. It's very intimidating. Cause I don't know anything about playing the guitar. Like go, okay, I'm not, I'm not, it's not going to be graded. Like you said, like the painting was not going to be graded. Mm-hmm. Like it's going to do it and we'll see what happens. It may turn out that I still have a green thumb, but it's like, it's just going to try it. It might mm-hmm. be fun. Even if I'm killing all the plants in the process, it might be fun. Right. Good point. Switching gears, looking back to that, professional rejection where you thought, you know, you were the one that was going to write this mm-hmm. and somebody else got the job. Um, looking back, you know, hindsight is always twenty twenty. Can you see a reason for that? Or is there still regret there? How do you feel about it now? I, you know, I feel fine about it now. Um, it, I, I look back and it's interesting. I was, I was a writer. I was a younger, I mean, I, you know, I wasn't very professional, like in writing, you know, written for myself, journaled, done all these other things. But, um, and obviously I'd written the book at that point, the book had been published. Um, but the thing that the rejection brought me, one of the things that it brought me was uh, it placed me as an editor and I Mm -hmm. learned and developed, I had a, my boss was a really great content editor and I learned how to content edit and I had never done that before. I'd always been like, well, I'll be the one writing the words and you can edit me to make me sound better. <laughs> um, so I learned um, not only how to content edit, but I learned how to work together as a team that mm. when you have a bunch of different voices, um, when you allow other people to speak into what you're doing, that collaboration can do so much to make the product better. And so I feel like going, I may not be the main voice on this, but I get to play a role. Um, I feel like for my 27 year old self, who was so full of herself and so confident, you know, like, you know, you think, you know, everything, especially at 27. Um, (laughs) I I think I just learned a lot about playing on a team and developing new muscles that I think have served me well um, in my like whole writing career. Good. Um, okay. So I'll back to asking you why you're doing all the things you do. (laughs) Um, tell me about surviving Sarah and why, um, that was the format you chose for your podcast. Yeah. Um, I leading up to that point. So my girls were, let's see, Sinclair was, I remember she was in early elementary school. Rory was not yet into elementary school. And so all those years kind of leading up to school, I was like, what is next? What is next? What is next? Just kept like asking that question. And the one thing that I knew was that I missed using my voice. I missed Mm -hmm. talking. I'm, you know, I, I'm a verbal communicator. Um, even, even more than I am a writer. I think I I write the way that I talk. And so, um, I just missed talking, you know, my dream job. Like if you were to ask me as a 20 year old was to be on Regis, like I wanted to be live with Regis and Sarah. Like that's what I wanted. Like yeah. I wanted to be on a talk show. And, um, and so I really just like started thinking about that and going, well, like maybe that's what I could do. Maybe with podcasting, it enables me to use my voice mm-hmm. 
um, and to have conversations kind of like that talk show kind of feel. Um, and so that's why I started that format was just, you know, I wanted to entertain people. I wanted to inspire people and to encourage them and, and the surviving Sarah part of it. You know, it's funny when I was trying to think of a title, um, truly what I always laugh and my, my oldest loves this, but I was like, I wanted to call it surviving Sinclair. Cause that's truly <laughs> what I've been doing my whole life, surviving her. And you know, she thinks it's so funny. Um, and <laughs> so I was like, well, I can't really, at some point she'll need counseling for that. So we can't do that. Um, so I said, it truly is. I'm, I'm surviving myself like every mm-hmm. day, surviving the things of myself, like, you know, whether it's like, things about work or relationships or parenting or, you know, self things or faith things. And so it's really about learning to survive well in all those little areas. Like if I can help myself survive well in those and I can help you survive well in those. So that's why I titled it surviving Sarah. Um, and truly it is just like free counseling. Like I think what yeah. do I need help on because <laughs> if I need help on that, I bet you do too. And so yeah. I'm going to have a conversation with someone and be like, so I'm asking for a friend, but how do you stop yelling at your kids all day? Like, <laughs> what do I do when I have screamed so loud? My throat hurts. Yes, exactly. <laughs> right. Exactly. And I'm, I'm totally asking for a friend. Right. Right. I mean, I don't struggle with that, but right. I know other people who do. Right. Right. Okay. So that leads into raising boys and girls. Yes. So I, um, Sissy was on my show and David, I see David was on my show first, David Thomas, and then Sissy was, and we just really connected and just, you know, had this great camaraderie. And, um, and so when their book, are my kids on track came out, I remember reading it, but it literally took me forever to get through. Not because it was a a bad book. It was because it was, it was like, this was so good. I need to like, sit in this one like chapter and like try to like ingest it. Like Mm -hmm. there's so much good, helpful content. And as I was sitting there, I was thinking I was actually a small group leader at the time and I was driving to our small group meeting and I was thinking I would get so much if I were able to like take that chapter and hear a conversation about it as I was driving to my small group. And then I got to my small group and we talked about it. Gosh, how great would that be? Mm -hmm. And so I called them and I was like, what if we just turn up, like create a podcast based on are my kids on track and we'll do an episode, a short episode. So people could like, you know, um, could listen on their way somewhere. Like it wouldn't be like a super long episode and we can just like bite size this um, and summarize this and people can do it in small groups or, you know, you know, partners can do it together, like whatever it looks like. And moms, while they're walking, they can listen to it and like take it in rather than like trying to find time to read. Cause I mean, you could probably attest to this too. I didn't read a lot when my kids were little, like I just didn't, there was not the time and parenting books exhausted me. Cause I felt like I was so knee deep in so many parenting mm-hmm. things. So I thought, but if I can listen to it, like, and I loved podcasts. And po- so anyway, so that was kind of it. So we're like, yeah, let's do this. And so the first season is all about their book, Armor Kids on Track. Um, and then the second season, we looked at um, the different developmental stages of kids and kind of broke them down by like what, who boys are and what they need in this stage and who girls are and what they need in this stage. And so we have episodes based on that um, for 
from, you know, birth till um, graduation. Um, so, so we are going to do a season three. We were supposed to do it this year and um, we've had a lot of different things come in the way. So we're hoping to maybe record in the fall given mm-hmm. we'll see what, um, you know, COVID does. Yeah. <laughs> So we're just kind of fluid on that, but, but that has been really fun. I've loved um, hosting and producing that podcast. Cause again, I'm getting all the help I am coming at the, t- and that's one of the, the great things is being a parent and sitting across from them, knowing I'm representing all these parents out there who are feeling these same tensions mm-hmm. and going, Oh, what are we going to do? What is this normal? Am I normal? Am I, you know, doing enough? And so it's been really helpful content to get to, to work on that with them. Am I ruining my child? That's usually my question. Yes. yes. Did I break him? Right. <laughs> I think that all the time, like yeah. it's paralyzing and you have to just like, okay, it's going to be okay. It's going to be okay. Yes. Yes. People have been raising children for many generations. Right. And, and usually it's is, okay. <laughs> right. And the truth is all of us can look at our parents and go, wow, like that kind of messed me up a little bit or, but I'm still standing here and I mm-hmm. am normal and I am healthy and I've learned from it and I'm trying things a different way with my girls and we'll see, but more than likely they're going to stand as adults and go, Ugh. My parents. Yeah. You know, because it's just, that's just how it goes. Yeah, it does. It's, it's flawed humans raising flawed humans. All right. So your newest book, tell us about that. Yes. Yeah, so um, it's, it's currently titled A Mother's Guide to Raising Herself When She's Required to Raise Others. So it's truly all the things that I felt like I was growing up alongside of my girls growing up. So mm-hmm. It's kind of based on all these different phrases that I started learning for myself as I started teaching my kids. So just like that phrase that I'm, you know, mentioned in the early, like be kind to yourself Mm -hmm. learning. That was a big learning and shift for me when, you know, because I was trying to teach my girls to learn how to be kind to yourself. Um, And so really kind of looking at some big things, there's faith things and there's, you know, things like, um, you know, I tell my daughter, you know, I I never knew that I could trust my body. I didn't know that I was not, you know, I was raised to kind of fear my body. Um, my parents weren't, didn't say that explicitly, but I think in growing up in certain faith, like that's what was, what was kind of Mm -hmm. communicated, but I'm learning, you know, I tell my daughter, pay attention. What is your, like your body, your, your hands getting sweaty, your heart racing and your, she's like, I feel nervous. I'm like, it's okay to be nervous. That's your body saying, pay attention, look around. Like, should I be nervous about this? Or is this something that I'm, you know, overreacting to? Mm-hmm. Like, so it's things like that where I feel like I'm learning with them as they're growing up. Mm-hmm. Um, so am I. And so that's really what the book is going to be about all the ways that I feel like I'm growing up. And, um, so maybe it'll help you grow up too. I love that. Um, I think that's, other than what in the world am I going to do about X, Y, Z with my kid? Um, my mom friends and I talk a lot about what we are learning mm-hmm. while being mothers. Yes. Um, and it's, I mean, <laughs> in the four years that I have been raising this little person, yeah, I have completely changed my mind about a lot of things Yes, um, about the world, about myself, about, um, how I thought I would react to things and how I actually do and why and um, more respect for my parents than 
I had when they were living, which is unfortunate that I can't fix that. Um, but yeah, I am looking forward to that book. Mm-hmm. I'm Thank you. That. Yeah, there is. There's so much where I'm like, oh my goodness. Like if, if I believe this is true for my girls, then I have to believe this is true for me. Mm-hmm. There's been a lot of things where it's forced me to think, why do I believe that? If I like, is that really true? Because if I don't believe that for my girls and that can't be true for me and, mm-hmm. and it, you're so right. Like there's so much growth and learning that has happened in the years of being a mom. That is yeah. for sure. <laughs> <laughs> Every day. <laughs> yes. yes. Included this, including this one long Corona day. Oh, I mean, it's just never <sighs> ending. Never ending. Well, is there anything else that you wanted to talk about that I didn't ask you about? No, you covered it all. Good. Yes. Okay. Well, the last question that I ask everyone is because of your story, what do you know about God? I think that I know that there's, that he's always there. You can see him wherever you stand, you know, you see him when you walk, you see him in, you know, creation you see him in different places you see that um that he's just there like there you know through the like rejection you know it wasn't mm-hmm. like he was going I really need you to learn this lesson so I'm going to have you be rejected no he's just he's there mm-hmm. and and that that can be a source of comfort and it can be a source of uh, wisdom and all the things that you can you can go to to God to, to find that um sense of just comfort you know, sometimes it's like, okay, please just let me, let me know that I'm not the only one around here thinking this mm-hmm. way. And so I think, I think that's what it would be is just that, that he is there, he is present. And um, even if it's not answering the way that you would want it to be, he's there. And that's, that's a source of comfort. Awesome. Well, thank you. Thank you for taking time. You're a busy woman <laughs> and even busier now that everybody's at home. I know. Um, no kidding. Our time. It's like yes. you have nothing to do, but everything to do. Yes, exactly. Exactly. It's, it's interesting. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you, Sarah. Thank you. This was very fun and very fast. Like, can we just keep talking? I'm fine with that. <laughs> <laughs> that was just the motivation I needed to stop being afraid. The last several months made me feel fearful sometimes. I've spent a lot of time criticizing myself and questioning why I'm doing many of the things that I'm doing and being afraid to step out in faith to do other things or to do the same things with more boldness. And this conversation is just what I needed to light that fire under myself again. Who do you know that needs their fire stoked a little bit? Probably everyone in your life. (laughs) We probably all need that in some way. So make sure you share this episode so other people can hear Sarah's story. Also check out show notes where you can find Sarah and let her know how her story touched you. Of course, you need to start listening to her podcast and you also need to follow her so you know when her book comes out in 2021. And while you're listening, make sure you rate the podcast and leave a review so other people know what we're doing here and they know that they're welcome. Head to my website, Mandy mandymcd.com to find me on Facebook and Instagram, find Patreon. I think I have some of my art on there now, a few blog posts, all kinds of stuff. And subscribe to the podcast, of course. 
So as always, I leave you with this blessing from 2 Thessalonians chapter 1. In view of this, we always pray for you, that our God will make you worthy of His calling, and by His power your every desire to do good and your work produced by faith, so that the name of our Lord Jesus will be glorified in you and you by Him, according to the grace of our God and the Lord Jesus Christ.